Thank you, Pastor Wade, for those prayers. Good morning, Community Church. It's great to be with you all. And good morning to those of you who are online. Let me make sure that this is yep on. Yes, and thank you, worship team, for um, leading us so beautifully this morning. Thank you, Anita, for pointing us to our God, the heart of our God of justice. And thank you, Connie, for bringing um, a a very fun way um, for us to actually see that we, that God's creation is very, very beautiful. And thank you, Pastor Wade, for squeezing me in for one more sermon before I take off for my vacation soon. So we are about halfway through our Heaven and Hell sermon series. Um, And before we look at creation care, let us do a quick recap. Now, you might remember this diagram from Pastor Wade where he explained that this view on the left, the not this view, is not the biblical view. The view that says that after judgment, you either get sent away from earth to heaven or away from earth to hell, and the earth is destroyed after that. So the biblical view is the one on the right, but this. Heaven and earth were initially joined together, completely overlapping, but human beings rebelled against God. Heaven and earth separated. And when judgment comes, in that view, it does not mean that the earth will be destroyed. Instead, the earth will be renewed, which has implications for today's sermon. And heaven and earth will come together again in the new creation, where old creation will be no more. And last week, we learned about vocation, that a human vocation is to bear God's image in the world, His temple, by using the skills and talents he has given to us, in and through the work we do, to steward and develop his resources in order that we, as his priests, may serve and care for the world. Now, connected to this is creation care, our care for the environment. I'll explain why I did this. So now, it's a 20-minute sermon, and we are not going to solve the issue of climate change, I don't think unless the Holy Spirit decides otherwise, um, nor are we going to be able to talk at length about all the environmental issues facing us. There's a lot of resources out there, and I'm happy to point you to some if you come talk to me after this. So my plan for today is to give you a glimpse of the biblical vision for caring for the environment. And my hope, church, is that you will come to see why we Christians should care, because creation care is actually quite central very central to our faith. Let us pray before we begin. God, thank you so much for this privilege and honor that we can gather in your name, in your presence. Thank you for welcoming us into your presence. Thank you for your great love for us. And we, we pray, God, that um, your spirit speaks powerfully today and help our hearts Um, to receive what you have for us this morning. Amen. Now, here's the question for us today, okay? Why? Why should Christians care about the environment? Now, people care about the environment for different reasons, right? Some, for some, it's very trendy, you know? It's actually hip to be green these days. And for others, it's got to do with politics. And we might care because we are running our resources for the future generations or running out of space to dump our rubbish. Or maybe it's because the environmental crisis has become an imminent danger to us. 
So apparently, if no action is taken, New York, Shanghai, Osaka and some other places will be submerged underwater within our lifetimes. Those are all pressing reasons to care. But perhaps not the first reason why Christians should care. So today we're going to look at three reasons. But the first reason why we should care is this. So what we call the environment is actually God's creation. Now they could be the same and yet not quite the same. See, for a long time, it was quite hard to get Christians to care about climate change or the environment. See, they did not see that as a big thing in their faith. But their support was kind of wanted in some circles. And so people have suggested this. Ah, you want to get Christians to, get, to be interested in the environment? Just replace the word environment with creation. That should do it. See, the choice of words is powerful, isn't it? Not, okay, I'm not trying to get you here to support any agenda, okay? but I think the distinction is important. When we use the word creation, we are reminded that there is a creator, a creator. And it puts back God back into the picture. It reminds us that the environment or nature did not come about naturally. It was designed and created by God, all of it. And God loves his creation. Genesis 1, 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Psalm 104, 31, may the Lord find pleasure in the living things he has made. Psalm 1459, the Lord has compassion on all that he has made. And God owns all he has made. And uh, we saw this verse just now on the um, offering slide. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Which means that we Christians should care for creation whether or not there is, a, there is an environmental crisis. We care because it honours God. It pleases Him when we look after His stuff. And creation is also God's temple, God's palace, God's abode. We don't want to litter, right? Or trash his place. You know, when I was in Canada, I had a spare bedroom, which I rented out via Airbnb. So my experience was mostly positive, except maybe with this one particular guest. Now, when she, when she left, I had to deal with many things. I'll just name a few. So one, stained carpet in the living room from her dropping food everywhere. Two, a clogged bathtub. And when we cleared it, it wasn't just hair. Stuff that you would not think of putting in the tub. And three, there was this wine-stained sheets. And then you take the sheets out and it has gone all the way through to the mattress. And then four, the garburator. Who knows what that is? Okay, so the garburator. So apparently, ah, Janet. Janet knows what it is. So in America, I think it's called the waste disposal unit. Right? Yeah, so I see lots of So what is a carburetor or waste disposable, disposal unit? Everybody knows what a blender is, right? So this is like a blender that's built into the kitchen sink, which grinds up your leftover food scraps, and then with the water, you, you, know, you get flushed down the kitchen pipe. So I told all my guests, try not to use it. 
And if you do, make sure you don't put certain things in there. The rule of thumb being, the things that you think a blender cannot handle, you don't put inside the carburetor. Easy, right? So, a few days after she left, and I thought I had, you know, assessed all the, all the damage that she has done, I was like, hmm, what is that putrid smell in the air? And I checked everywhere. And then finally located the source of it, the carburetor. You know, I thought it was not flushed out properly, so I turned on, I pressed the button, you know, that goes and it's like and then stuck. So I got a plumber to check it out. And when he opened it up, lo and behold, what did we find? Chicken bones. Can you believe it? Chicken bones. And of course, broken blades. So I was furious and I had no words. It was beyond my comprehension how anyone could be so careless or could act so disrespectfully towards other people's things in someone else's home. Outrageous, right? And I'm guessing that most of us here probably wouldn't even dream of doing that. And yet, we could also act in the same way towards God's things in God's home by treating it this way. Or maybe this. Or maybe this. Or maybe this or indirectly contributing to all that by our overconsumption of paper products, um, plastic products, uh, or not caring about the amount of rubbish we generate, whether it's at home or in the workplace or during our recreational activities. The whole earth is God's and everything in it. As Christians, we should care for God's creation because God loves all that He has made. Every decision to not waste water is an act of love towards God. Every act of saying no to non-biodegradable things honors God. Every time we sacrifice convenience for the sake of caring for God's creation is an act of worship towards our Creator. Someone once said, worship God at all times. If necessary, use music. The whole earth is God's and everything in it. And reason number two, we should care about God's creation because it's a duty and calling as God's people. As I mentioned last week in Genesis 2.15, we see that we are God's priests and we've been tasked with a sacred task to develop and steward resources for the flourishing of God's creation. And so, if we see that God's creation is being trashed, resources are being misused or abused, leading to suffering, poverty and injustice, and not the flourishing that God wanted, should we not care? Wouldn't God want us to care? You see, the poor are often the first to suffer when creation is damaged. Now, for example, climate change, and the weather gets too hot, what do we do? Okay, we get uncomfortable, so sticky, Okay, we turn on the aircon. But those in the rural areas, the weather gets too hot, they lose their livelihood. 75% of the world's poor live in rural areas, and agriculture is extremely vulnerable to climate change. 
higher temperatures reduce the amount and quality of what you can grow. And you've got to deal with more weed and pests. Now, and when the land can no longer sustain them, they are forced to move to find another place to settle. And there's a lot of competition for that. And sometimes people fight to secure a place so that their community and families and children have a shot of survival. You know, according to research data, 2020 was the first year in which more people were forced to move by climate change than by violent conflict. Climate refugees are on the rise. Now, another way environmental damage impacts the poor is when they don't have access to clean and usable water. How many of you brush your teeth this morning? I'm very glad to see that, by the way. <laughs> um, and you probably made coffee. Some of you probably had a shower. Now, I'm guessing that when you were brushing your teeth or taking a shower, you were not thinking to yourself, ah, oh, I wonder, am I going to get violently ill from the water? Or are my children going to get fatally sick from the water? But in many places in the world, that's the reality that people live with. That you can get very ill and even die, and many do, and many children die from taking a bath or a shower. Because the water source has been so badly polluted that they don't, and they don't have tap water like ours, treated water. Oftentimes, the only source of water comes from a place like this. Should we care? Does God care? Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they are our neighbors. We are God's priest church for the flourishing of the world, God's agent of mercy and justice in the world, like what Anita has said. We are people who claim to love the God who loves all of his creation. Pope Francis urges us, listen to the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor who suffer the most, the urgent need for interventions can no longer be postponed. And finally, reason number three, we care about the environment, creation, because the world needs the hope of the gospel. So you might have noticed that I did not talk too much about how we are running out of time, how we are running out of energy, how we are running out of this and running out of that, and how humanity is doomed. See, many people begin there. You know, it's definitely a great motivation, you know, to kick us into action. But starting there is to start with scarcity. It is to start with fear and despair and sometimes a sense of hopelessness. I was reading an article on the BBC website. I do love reading stuff from the BBC about how a global survey shows us the depth of anxiety many young people are feeling about climate change. 
nearly 60% of young people approached said they felt very worried or extremely worried. Over half say they think humanity is doomed. Many felt fear, anger and despair. Many people, not only young people, have been driven by fear and anger and despair to save the planet, to try to save humanity by political force, by being politically correct, by looking to technology, by emotional blackmail, and by means that they think, any other means that they think will work. And many get disillusioned and depressed in the process. Many are overcome by a sense of defeat and many have become indifferent. What difference can I make? Just too much. This morning, I wanted to bring you a somewhat different perspective. To begin not with fear and hopelessness and the doom of humanity, but to begin with a God of compassion who created the world to flourish and who loves his creation, and who has taken some very drastic steps to save the planet and to save humanity. For God so loved the world that he would come in the person of Jesus Christ to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through his blood on the cross, putting the world in the right direction again towards flourishing, towards the new heaven and new earth. Now, this is the hope of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which the world needs to hear through us. And this is the good news of the gospel, which the world needs to experience through our intentional actions to take care of God's creation. Church, our creation care is not grounded, should not be grounded in our fear of not enough or ecological destruction, but in Jesus Christ, who has defeated all evil and who is Lord. I think it might be a little bit too small. The Chinese words up there, this is taken, this is from this Victoria Park, and the Chinese words up there, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, and every time I'm in that space, I look up like, hmm, I wonder whether Jesus is Lord um, of which space? Is it a building um, or more? Is it, um, maybe includes the people living in there, maybe includes the trees, maybe it also includes the air and everything. Jesus is Lord, Lord of all. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. It's a prayer that I've adapted from Reverend John Swallis. I hope I'm saying it right. And after that, I'm going to have a slide up there. Ten things you can do to make a difference. And we're going to take a moment of reflection um, as um, the worship team plays later. And ask God, God, what is one thing I can do? Start with one thing. And as I pray this prayer, um, I will encourage you to listen to these words and meditate on it. Father of creation, God of compassion, 
you created a world of wonder, of possibility and potential. You declared it good. For this, we give thanks. To you, be praise, honour and glory. Father of creation, this world is no longer as you intended it to be. Humanity has betrayed its calling. To tend and keep, creation groans. For this, we weep. Lord, have mercy. On our watch, sea levels rise. On our watch, forests destroyed. On our watch, temperatures rise. On our watch, extinctions increase. On our watch, the world's most vulnerable suffer. And injustice is rampant. Father of creation, God of compassion, wake us up from our slumber. Equip us afresh to our priestly and prophetic calling. Equip us afresh to be the justice-shaped people of God, that we would speak truth in a culture of denial, that we would enact hope in a culture of despair, that we would face what will be with love-filled actions, that you would enliven us to bandage the wounds of those caught beneath the wheels of climate injustice, that we would have the courage to drive a spoke into the wheel of climate injustice itself. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the one in and through whom all things are being reconciled.